Previously on Kawhi Fi Quest. Ah, back to Kyle on the field. I'm being mauled by a uni rabbit. Well, I'd say that was a victory for us. Absolutely, a job well done. Smashing work, everyone. You two didn't do anything. You just sat up in the commentary box, God knows how that got there, giving a blow for blow while a uni rabbit tried to eat me. You are correct, Carl. That is what we did. And what a fight it was, Carl. Let's see some of the best replays of the match. There you are! Enchanted Tara? Oh, wait, wait, who? From parts one and two. Oh, right, yeah. His Royal Highness has tasked me with keeping an eye on you three and making sure you don't go off gallivanting on some strange side quest. He said that if you get distracted again, I'm to... Excuse me, but why is that you and I rabbit munching on your cloak? I told you that's what they were called. <laughs> your dragon's pigeon. Yeah, it seems to have calmed down now, huh? Doesn't seem bloodthirsty at all, actually. Well, no. You and I rabbits may be considered monsters, but they're fairly violent. Small children often keep them as pets. And why was a horde of them attacking the town? Mm, that is indeed a good question. Only a great force of evil could cause such docile creatures to become violent. Like an evil dragon? Probably not. An evil dragon with an evil uh, plan? No. A stressed out evil dragon soccer mom. Ah, Chris was shopping at the crack of dawn on Black Friday. With her eight screaming hungry kids. Yeah, mm. oh, oh, in stiletto heels, applying mascara. And she's dropped the mascara and is chugging a low-fat decaf hazelnut soy chardonnay spritzer. Yes. And her phone is on 10% battery. Mm. Yeah, 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 that, that, that would make me... So, yeah, yeah, yeah. let me get this right. You're telling me the most likely candidate for the greatest evil in the land... Mm. Is a stressed out evil dragon soccer mum Christmas shopping? Hush, Enchantress Tara! Say no more of this creature, for if you say its name, you may summon it. Its name is only spoken in dark, dark alleys in hushed whispers. What? What's its name? Karen. Really? Avalanche! Tatsuo! Ganida! Anita! It's over 9,000! Nani? Kawaii Fi! Kawaii Fi! Kawaii Fi! Radio! and welcome to a new episode of Kawaii Fi Radio, the podcast where we look into the world of anime and manga. I'm your host, Kyle, and joining me are my co hosts, Coco and Kenny. How you doing, guys? Pretty good. Hi, pretty warm. Yes, we are in Australia. That means it's uh, heading into bushfire in hot season and, uh, oh, we're sweating buckets. Yeah, it's yeah. already, what, 40 degrees out there? We had 38, 39, yeah. 40 degrees C. Uh, to put that into uh, comparison for our friends in the States, that's 103 or 4 degrees Fahrenheit or something. Mm. It's, it's pretty, you, f- pretty full usually on. it can reach a little bit more. So oh, we can, um, we've, we've gotten to 45 before and then everyone yeah. just stayed indoors and the power went out because everyone was using air cons. And then <laughs> if you go into the red centre, I think you get, get to baby might. 56, 57, Yeah, it's pretty like nuts. But I Fun. have some disappointing news. Oh, dear. Which is probably mostly disappointing for me because of my obsession with Japanese music and you're just kind of a bit like, oh. Um, mm. The band Nico Touches the Walls have broken up after 15 years. Oh. Yeah. No, you're, right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, I am a bit like, oh. Yeah, so um, am I. You, you probably would have heard one of their songs if you watched any shonen anime over the past 15 years. They... They did openings for Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, Naruto Shippuden, Heroic Legend of Arslan. Um, they've got a very unique sound, and it's a shame because oh, I yeah. really like listening to them. I'm, not, I'm going to stop listening to them, but I was excited to see what they were going to do next because I think mm. the most recent album was only like a year ago. I think you had plans to try, go to try to see them in Japan at some yeah, point. Yeah, I was hoping to go see them at J-Fest, but um, that's 
that's, that's not, off the cards. That's a bit now, off the cards. Unless there's a yeah. reunion in like yeah, five years. They might do a Spice Girls and do a reunion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, they missing might. half the members. <laughs> well, just one. <laughs> just one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they said basically the last 15 years, uh, the work they've made is irreplaceable treasures for them. But they have a feeling of, and this is, I, I think this is probably a translation thing, but mm-hmm. wanting to go see new scenery as individuals. I think it just kind of means like they've enjoyed the work they've done, but now they want to go and see what it, you know they can put together themselves. That's do their fair each enough. own individual thing. Yeah, yeah, which oh, is yeah. which is pretty good. A lot of so people you're do gonna, that. yeah, I, I really, I'm a bit bit devastated, but oh, it's okay, Kyle. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cry okay. over here. Hand me my monster I'll energy fi- drink oh. and some drywall to take it out yeah, of. I'll find <laughs> you some drywall, dude. Don't worry. Um, if but anyone out there knows of any drywall, Kyle can punch. Just let us know. <laughs> It'll help him. But It'll help us. On, on to better things. And we do need to talk about some of the animes we've mm. been watching. Oh, especially uh, Beastars. Now, we do have a bit of a disclaimer for this. Um, just like last season with... Um, uh, Teasing Master Takagi. It's mm. not currently available outside of Japan, so we've utilised our friend's Japanese yeah. Netflix Shout account. Shout out to our friend who shall remain nameless. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, to watch it. Um, and uh, look, it's incredible. Like e- Even if you haven't got subtitles like cinematically, mm. the way it's shown, the way it's shot, the way the composition is done, this is just... This is top tier stuff. Absolutely. I'm very happy with it. One of my favourite parts so far is the stop motion animated oh, opening, yes. which is mm-hmm. incredible. We, I we've love shared, it. We've shared it on our Facebook page. We actually tried to put up the um, video and then Facebook immediately went, uh-uh, we're not having that. Copyright strike. Silly, <laughs> silly Facebook. It's not monetized, guys. Come on. It's yeah. a badge of honor to be copyright strike. Pretty much these days. It kind <laughs> of is. But that this this opening sequence is amazing. The, mm. the, the music is incredible yeah. in this show. And like for a stop motion, like we used to seeing things like Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. This is so refined. Like stop motion is already monumentally hard, lengthy, just arduous. Doing a choreographed dance sequence with it yeah. is just oh, why would you even oof. I'll have to say though, I love Wallace and Gromit. Oh, I yeah. think Wallace uh, and Gromit look, is absolutely incredible. Oh, I know, but we, we you see with Wallace and Gromit, like it, it is a very specific style and this they're working yeah. on the based on this, the frame. Yeah, this one, the movement is what really struck me because yeah. the, there's this, there's part of it where they dance. Mm. I don't think that's giving anything away. No. Um and the way that the it's movement an opening is sequence. Ninety percent of the stuff in opening sequences never happens in the anime. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know yet. We haven't reached the end of it. It may happen. We'll have to wait and yep, see. Yeah, dun, we'll dun, dun, dun. But yeah, it's it's a very catchy tune. But mm. look, um, this is going to actually land um, in English on Netflix uh, early next year. So uh, we'll, we'll be definitely talking about that again once it lands because, wow. A few mature themes to it as well, though. Oh, so, yeah, this, yeah, this one ain't for kiddies. Heads up. So, um, yes. yeah, b- do be aware. Um, and we should probably talk about the recent developments in Dr. Stone. Mm. Because, um, with obviously, Big deal. staying spoiler free, but if you've been following Dr. Stone and then dropped off it for a bit, you should come back because I think it's episode 15, 14 and 15 and 16. Mm. You get to find out a lot of the backstory about mm. what on earth is going on and how they've ended up in the situation you're in. We a go l- back in time. Like, not yeah. everything is revealed, but enough of the details are just why these characters are the way they are in this mm. moment is just like laid bare and you're just like. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I finally got around to watching the last few episodes. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the utter deluge of anime out this season, it's it's pretty hard to keep on top of everything. Absolutely. Mm, it is. And Dr. Stone is so worth keeping up on top of. Mm. Because this this recent development is just like, 
Ah, and then it opens new questions up. Mm, A lot of new questions. And frankly, it's just a great series to keep along with for its educational content. Educational almost sounds like a dirty word uh, in cases of like entertainment and manga and anime and stuff. We were talking about this earlier Mm. because uh, we we do want to do like a segment where Japan's trying to teach us a thing. Yeah. There's so many animes out there that do that. And because of our age group, I think maybe for us, when we think educational, we think of our teacher wheeling in one of those uh, old CRT. <laughs> um, um, screens and putting a, a VCR, a video cassette, oh, into, the video, into the VCR player, and, and making you watch Gattaca what, every week well, for three years. Oh, that Maybe was, for that you, was your, like, that, that, that was my English teacher um, through year eight, nine, ten, and then lot, they, yeah. in my. I had him for some reason for the religion class because I was going to a Catholic school, and he's like, "We're going to watch Gattaca for religion." I'm like. Okay. You've made us watch this in every class you've given had it for us Maybe for the he last just really four years. That movie. He it's really liked Gattaca. Well, <laughs> you, and you know what? After hearing this, and after hearing that everyone had seemingly gotten a teacher that made them watch Gattaca, I was like, I'm, I've been left out. Like, I hear all about this film that everyone seems to have seen, but me. So I had to go and watch it myself. So, but yeah, I was thinking of like the old sort of science videos that are made like oh, in the eighties. Yeah. That I don't know how they're still still around, but uh, they're, that's they're, what they we. Were God. Heavily out of date. It's yeah, great it's like, when they're like, you know, we don't know how this thing happened. It's like I know for a fact that we do know how that no, happened. You had and, like the old kind of hokey 1950s things yeah. going. Science. What is it? What does it do? Yeah. Well, it, we'll answer those questions today with some soda and baking water. Wait. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it would tell you exactly um, what composites, um, water, <laughs> and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah. It's so like, that's the idea I get when I think of educational. Anime in no way does anything like that. Well, and I mean, if it does, it does so showing you like monsters and explosions and stuff and they're mixing these compounds prime, on the fly. Prime example sells at work. <laughs> yes. Like, which we, I, I think we will have to do like an educational one. Not not, not so much like, a, uh, I wouldn't say calling it educational because more, that'll, people will go, oh, I don't want to watch that. Is, but, but more fun facts. Is there a shorter way of saying educational than Japan trying to learn you a thing while stuff explodes? No, no, there really isn't. Educanime? Educanime. No, no, no. That that sounds like something that, you know, a government came up with in the 80s to try and convince teachers to use a certain uh, teaching method. That sounds like a kind of cheese. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's let's stay on track. So this episode, we are actually diving back into the 80s. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be looking at two franchises that have kind of stuck around with us for the past 30-odd years. Yeah, it's like they are from the 80s and they are quintessentially 80s, mm-hmm. and yet they have just followed us right into the modern like, generation. One of them has got a... Well, let's be honest. One of them is a source of infinite memes. For Mayowa. Yeah. And the other Nani. has recently <laughs> seen a live-action adaptation in France, of all places. Oh. So we're talking Fist of the North Star and City Hunter this episode. City Hunter's the one that went to France? Yes, it is. Somehow that doesn't surprise No, no it doesn't. <laughs> it really um, doesn't. Having seen the slapstick nature, the French yeah, love, they love slapstick. It. Anyway, we'll get to all this right after the news. Making headlines. Really? Sort of. Anime news. The end of One Piece and Vinland Saga's mangas are in sight, and a spattering of new dubs on the way. This is Kawaii Fi Anime News. The upcoming film for Boy Love series, Given, has received a soft release date of spring 2020 this year. Fuji TV's new Boy Love label, Blue Lynx, is producing the film alongside two new movie adaptations, all of which have had advanced ticket sales launch this week. 
The given anime series aired in July 2019 and has received high rating reviews throughout the community, sitting on a score of 8.2 on My Anime List for 28,000 reviews. Dark Zootopia series B-Stars will be joining Netflix's international lineup First Thing in 2020, according to the streaming service. The series debuted on Netflix, Japan and Fuji TV on October 8th and follows the stories of Rogoshi the Wolf at Cherryton Academy. The series is based on the manga of the same name by Itagaki Kaparu, which won the 11th Manga Taisho Award in 2018. And it may be one of the longest-running manga series in history, but appears One Piece is definitely coming to an end in the next five years. Manga creator Oda Iichiro stated in two interviews this year that he wanted to end the story in the next five years, with the series planned to have just over 100 volumes by its end. This statement was further confirmed by the series editor this week, Naito Takuma, who stated if Oda says it will be five years, then it will surely end in five years. He also said that if the manga continued at the pace of the recent Wano Country arc, then they would likely meet Oda his planned time frame, but he was uncertain on how close it would be. As with estimates, only time will tell, so we'll know if his guess was correct around 2024. The creator of Vinland Saga has also announced the planned end of the popular manga series, saying the fourth and final mark final arc is now underway. Creator Yukimuru Makoto said in a tweet that there will be more than a thousand pages and 50 chapters until the series ends, taking several more years for completion. The adaptation of the series is currently airing on Amazon Prime Video and will run for around 25 episodes this season. Heading to the bookshelves, the latest Battle Angel Alita manga, Gundam Mars Chronicles, is taking a two-month break, likely due to creator Kishiro Yukito's poor health. The franchise's latest entry began publication in 2014 and also took a one-month break in September due to Kishiro suffering a sudden illness. The series appears in a fortnightly publication, Kodansha's Evening Magazine, and will return in late January 2020. Staying with Kodansha's Evening Magazine, Sunbai Kai will be launching a new manga titled Mizutamari ni Ukabau Shima, or The Island Where Puddles Float, in the magazine's November 26th issue. Sunbai is known for his series Erased, which has seen an anime adaptation, live-action film, and Netflix live-action series in recent years. And in dub news, High Dive have announced the dub cast for this season's basketball anime, A Hero no Sora, with the first three episodes available on the service already, and Crunchyroll have also announced dubs for two more of this season's shows, High School Prodigies Have It Easy Even Another World, and Didn't I Say to Make My Abilities Average in the Next Life. Both shows have a range of veteran and new voice actors on boards and are having their first episode of the dub available online right now. And that's your anime news for the week ending November 17, 2019. I'm not sure I believe it. What? Believe what? I'm not sure I believe that One Piece will end. <laughs> I can't blame you. Like... I can't blame it's you. It's just a juggernaut. How will it end? Has he actually... I, I don't... I, I'm not a One Piece fan. Has he found the One Piece yet? <laughs> will he find the One Piece at the end and I, it turns I don't, out I don't, to be like... I, I'm under the impression the One Piece is... Uh, j- just like Dragon Ball, it is a part of the show, but it is not the end goal. Yeah. Um, mm. No. What I suspect will happen is that it will have its whole final ending thing a la Fairy Tale, not too long ago. Mm. And then there will be spin-offs following uh, like one Boruto character or another. from Naruto? Similar, yes. Yeah. Similar, similar. Okay. Well, I, I, I think you're right, to be honest. Um, but not, noting that, Vinland Saga also um, uh. coming to an end. Admittedly, it's the same sort of deal. It's like, well, I've still got 50 chapters left. Though, amusingly, if you go find um, the author's tweet, it's... He, he finishes it off saying, you know, this is all provided that I don't get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> and then with a little hmm emoji, he's like, 
Oh, all, all this guy's pictures on his Instagram are just him pulling cheeky and silly faces. So clearly, <laughs> he's a bit of a joking type. I like it, but um, yeah, that's good to. It's good to know that there is actually an end point because I'm under the impression the current story that we're seeing in the anime covers that first arc, so that would fit nicely into four seasons. I am still so monumentally impressed with this anime, mm. not just for. It's storytelling, it's just unique visuals, and it's, oh, it's, just, it's awesome It's characters. very pretty. But just for the historic impact of it, just the fact that these are people from history, if a yeah. little stylized. Well, I mean, that, that's a case a lot. I mean, look at all the Oda Nobu Naga stuff, which exactly. is very stylized. Which we still need to catch up on. Yes, Young Butterfly. I'm um, ahead of you guys butterfly. a little bit on it, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's definitely something to go back to. Um, also, Sunbay from Erased having a new uh, manga coming out. Um, it's got an intriguing title. It does. The Island Where Puddles Float. And immediately I just go, has this got something to do with um, weathering with you? Ooh, uh, oh, like, s- similar, similar sort of sounding style compared to what we saw visually in that film. I was thinking it would be something like, um, oh, what is that Nickelodeon cartoon? Gravity Falls, where oh. at some point gravity goes, whoopsie. <laughs> well, um, we will know a bit more uh, this. I we'll think it should to... be end of this month that the first chapter comes mm. out, so we'll start seeing the reviews we'll floating in. We'll have to wait until then. Fingers well, crossed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we should get moving on, and we need to talk about something very, very important. Nani? Kawaii Fi Radio. Oh, it's so bad. It's so good. It's so 80s. Nani? Retro Classics. Yes. And it really is so 80s. So retro. The quintessential 80s-ness. This this is, I think, whenever someone thinks of 80s anime, if they're, you know, a bit, you know, into anime, this is where your mind immediately goes. Use of black for shadows. The tiny heads, massive shoulders and arms, tiny waists, (laughs) long legs, crazy camera angles, the soundtrack. The way their eye area turns completely black when they're reliving memories or being serious. We are, of course, talking about Fist of the North Star. Yes. I'm never going to get sick of pushing that. And it is also, as you can probably tell from all the times we've been pressing the nanny button, (laughs) the origin of this very famous line. That was a bit of dubstep at the end there. Yes, it was. That's the origin of dubstep. Thank you very much. Mm, this, um, this is a very violent anime about hyper-violent. a post-apocalyptic world. To, uh, put you, uh, to put that in perspective, that line meaning, you are already dead. What? And then the explosion sound. That, that, that is the man's head. Yes. Um, a man's head. Head. Your main character have that sound bite. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Your main character has an ability. Um, he's from a martial arts school, which trains in striking at secret acupressure points, such that after they've been struck, you can walk away, and that person will explode in a violent, messy, gory puddle. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. is, it is pretty intense, and I love it. It's uh, it's very intense. And and what I notice is that moral codes and ethics just go straight out the window. There's blood <laughs> everywhere. It's all a bright orangey red. It is. It, it is. is very, very full on. Um, they, they did do some interesting stuff with this. Um, the original anime for it, Kyoto no Ken, ran for 109 episodes, and that was from 1984 to 87. Mm-hmm. And the original manga ran from 83 to 88 in Weekly Shonen Jump of all places. Uh-huh. And that was for 27 volumes. So there was, that, that's quite a lot. Was it as violent as the film? Yeah. 
Yeah, mm. it's it's similar in principle to how um, Akira, when it, they made the film, it wasn't as close to the original stuff and they skipped some of the violence mm. and some of the other content. So violent, in fact, was it, that a form of uh, censorship had to be put into place for the movie. Uh, yes, it did, didn't it? That. You'll notice that at various points when people are um, exploding, that um, <laughs> there will be a colour change, like the uh, there will be sort of like an inverted colour palette or the screen will be zoomed and cropped up to the side so you don't get to see all of the um, yeah. sausages blowing out of them. It's interesting because one of the key criticisms, so the, this had a series first, yes. from, as I mentioned, from 84 to 87. And one of the key criticisms of the series is that it didn't p- correctly portray the level of violence in the manga. shown in the manga. This film then came out in 86, and it's considered to be closer to the source material due to its depiction of violence. And it was so close that like parent groups were just so like worried about it, going, oh, mm. that's too far. Could you please censor it a little? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, the film's opening sequence is beautiful. Oh, like, yeah, that, it is. Uh, we, we will talk a little bit more about the series and the manga in a moment, but we, we want to talk about the film because this kind of feels more definitive mm. to give you a good, strong idea of that first major arc in the story so, so from the manga. what is the story? Um, well... The film opens with a beautiful, wide-sweeping shots of the countryside in spring with a soaring opening score, and then the nuclear apocalypse of 1990X, um, featuring a large <laughs> ship embedded in the top of a skyscraper and a canyon where the ocean was. Most of the earth is contaminated wasteland, and the survivors are fighting over the remaining water and food supplies. I've just combined the two. Water. <laughs> that's, that's water and food supplies so all together. So this is a barren wasteland. And yeah. it's, it's lawless. It's yeah, lawless. It, it's essentially the it, it's now the law of power and brute force. So the after the world's been established, we're introduced to two rival martial arts gangs. There's the Hokuto Shinken and the Nanto Saiken. And our main man Kenshiro, he is traveling the wastes with Yuria, his fiance, and she is a descendant of the Nanto line. He is a descendant of the Shinken line. Mm. And there is a prophecy that mm-hmm. these two lines should never fight because it could doom the world. Exactly, which you know, it, which is a cool concept for for you know a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of I, I do wonder because th- this isn't like once again uh, a series where it's just like you know, well power levels are a bit silly, aren't they? <laughs> uh, well, power levels, and I want to say. Height levels. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that, that, yeah. That is, that's something else completely. Like Kenshiro will constantly come up against bad guys who are. They, they start off at the same height and then suddenly they seem to have grown to being three times his height. Titanic mm. proportions, yeah. great Goliaths before him. It just him. happens. Now, Hokuto Shinken is a form of my ancient martial arts in this world where the user's uses energy is built at the fists and focused into the opponent's pressure points. So basically, using these pressure points the energy flows into their bodies and can basically combust them from the inside out. There's a lot of head explosions in this. And this is what Kenshiro is trying to master. And now the rival school uses something similar, but rather than energy being poured into a point to make things explode, it more cuts like ribbons and blades. Mm. Mm. Which I I thought was a really fascinating way to kind of show the two different sides of it. Exactly. So Kenshiro and Yuria... When they're walking the wastelands, this is in the opening sequence, the pair are confronted by a gang led by Ken's former best friend, Shin. He's a master of that rival, Nento Saiken style, and he what has been led to 
want Yuria as his partner. So that means that the styles wouldn't combine. He's convinced that Kenshiro won't be able to protect her mm. in this wasteland. Yeah, Sh- Shin proclaims that he's been in love with Yuria for a long time and with no law to intervene now, he challenges Ken over her. And after defeating Ken in combat, Shin engraves seven wounds in Ken's chest and leaves him for dead, taking Yuria with him. And that is where we begin. Mm-hmm. Interesting bit. Oh, we're not going to jump to the live action yet, are we? No, r- no. Remember that there are seven wounds in his chest, everyone. Yeah. Just remember keep, that. Keep, keep that, that in mind. mind. Yeah. That's uh, actually a rather important thing, which we, yes. we will cover to either. Indeed. Now, while all this is happening, Ken's eldest brother in training, so I don't think they're blood related, just like, you know, um, brothers they're, they're from the just, same martial yeah. arts school, Rao. He's witnessing the fight and he decides not to intervene. He returns to his dojo where he finds Sensei Ryuken meditating and challenges him his decision to have Ken as, you know, the leader of the um the martial, the arts, school. The martial yeah. arts school. And the sensei is the current master, isn't yeah. he? So he then kills the sensei and proclaims he will now be the ruler of the world. So, so a lot of power um power mm. play here. Now, there's, there's a lot of characters as well that get introduced yeah. throughout this show. I mean, the series, for starters, this is peak 80s. If you have ever watched anything from around 85, like smack bang in the middle of that, it's it's great. Yeah, you'll compare these things to like the uh, big action movies, the Schwarzenegger and the Stallone the, the, action movies. This is a Conan, Conan style film. Exactly. Um, mm. It's. It, at a certain point, you stop calling it an anime and have to just refer to it as a man-anime. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. This made okay, me grow should... chest hair on my legs. Oh, it's, it's every little trope. It's the stoic, silent main character with the heart of gold and the fabulous hair. Yeah, And he resembles like a point between a hanging slab of meat and a marble-chiseled, muscular Adonis. I also mm. have to say that Shin definitely feels like he's inspired by whatever birthed Dio in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So these mangas came out at the same time. What? Yeah. What? I, I'm really? not sure that JoJo yep. was inspired by, not no, no, they made ca- alongside. They, they, were, they were in the same magazine. They were both in Shonen Jump. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You reckon they were really? sharing notes? No. Um, I, I think there must they, have been like... A, were they, they trying to out-80s each other? Maybe, or maybe they'd been seeing American import films and those were their inspiration. But, of course, to have both of those in the same magazine just printed at the same time, was there just like a massive just growth of chest hair in Japan at that time? It was Shonen Jump. (laughs) So So JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Mm -hmm. has its roots in the 80s. Yes. Oh, yeah. But it hasn't been turned into an anime yet until recently? There was a... Anime in the 80s, which ran for 52 or 51 episodes, if yeah. memory serves us oh, right. And, uh, and, and a movie, yeah. I believe. And a movie. Okay. And now we got a reboot, essentially, of it about five oh, years back. Right. So, Various okay. series. So well, similar to how right. like I've we saw with um, uh, Full Metal Alchemist, where they didn't have the full script, same sort of thing with JoJo. They decided to wrap it up in their own way. Oh, wow. Um, so that that's how they did that in the film. And then, you know, the manga has just continued. I wonder how many animes that's actually uh, happened to. It was very prevalent for anime up till about 96, I think it was. Um, it's something we should definitely have a look at, like, you know, killed too early <laughs> sort of thing. So, so Same sort of principle as what happened with um, Serenity and um, so on. May it rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but, so, look, th- this is definitely... Being inspired by whatever birth Dio and JoJo's bizarre adventure, <laughs> mm-hmm. former best friends, a god complex, crazy hair, evil attitudes, purple attire used in the opening confrontation really plays into that aesthetic present th- present throughout all these style of animes. And what are they after? Power, dominion mm. of the world, or the love mm. of a good woman? 
<laughs> or all at once. Yes. Um, Everything at the same time. Also, the fighting in this series is over the top and, once oh. again, incredibly 80s. It is those sequences where people get thrown over the top <laughs> in the distance. The same thing you'd expect from like an action flick where the budget wasn't too big. Of course, you're not looking at uh, Dragon Ball here where they charge up for like a full episode only to unleash their final attack. But uh, but the escalation in power is very Dragon The Ball. escalation in power is there, but oh no, the fights are just constant and they are fast-paced and just woohoo, brutal. So... Kenshiro, mm-hmm. after being left for dead, is brought is is summoned through the cries of a girl. Yeah, is this young? These two kids are running from bandits. She screams, then suddenly Kenshiro appears. It seems he like he's act- risen out of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know really how long he's been there, and it seems like he's um, ended up near a city or a town um, that's in ruin. He does power up. When he powers up, his shirt just gets ripped off and miraculously appears back on him in the next, you know, when (laughs) things calm down. He has uh, Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z's power. Clothes beam! (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe you might be right. It's just funny how conveniently his pants don't come off. Mm. Maybe very, that's very not convenient. where all of his power is stored. It, it's in the pecs. It's in the it's, hair. It's not um, in the pants. <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, one thing I also might should point out with the fight power escalation, it, at the end it eventually gets to energy beam levels of combat. Yes. You know, along with city-destroying levels of destruction. It There's also escalate. a lot of head explodes, which, you know, <laughs> as we mentioned, brought up the whole issue of censorship as well, like with the, the plane... It, let's be honest, the way the censorship is done is a bit weird. Yeah, it looks because like at the time yeah. you'd see things getting either just plain old cut from a from a sequence mm. or implied that they'd happened through like a flash, or you'd get something where they black barred it or they might have even blurred it, um, depending on the technology available. Yeah, in this it's more just sort of like a trippy colour effect. It looks like yes. something out of a rage late night video yeah. clip. It's but also it's not consistent either. No. no, it's not. It changes. Like you might see like so, one at some sometimes it just looks like the frame has been multiplied, shifted like yeah. um, maybe a quarter of the way across the page, so and just a kaleidoscope of colours applied that to it. There's been colour grading, coloured flashes, mm. colour distortion to hide blood textures and graphic violence, along with as Coco was saying that sort of like almost tricolour stereo splitting. Yeah, kind of like those old school 3D images. Yeah. Um, I actually. I wonder this... if you watch it with 3D goggles, if at all. Ooh, that would be weird. I'm going to do that. (laughs) I will report back. Uh, We'll see how Kyle manages this. I warn you, but, you know. (laughs) I actually think this kind of weird form of censorship actually works to the movie's favour. It's stylistic in a certain way. It somehow makes the scene more... I don't want to say visceral, but more unreal, Mm. like surreal. It Mm. did kind of add like a whole sort of sci-fi element to it because of the way it was handled. Exactly, exactly. But this kind of, we we do have to briefly go back to one scene that I want to talk about in particular, and that's the scene with the Zed fight. Now, Zed is the guy whose head explodes with the Omariwa Shinderu. (laughs) You mean the... Omariwa mo Shinderu. Nani? You, You mean this? Was that the button? Thank you. I was trying to find it. I was like, where is that thing? I want to press buttons. (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, it's it's that scene. Now, we mentioned that... So this has appeared in every rendition of... Do I I have to press another button? (laughs) 
That's a man's head. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. This, this scene where Zed's head explodes appears in every rendition and version of this story. So the anime adaptation, the long form 51 episodes, has it happen. The film has it happen with almost the same exact framing, just different, slightly different animation style. I mean, it's... the manga, of course, the origin has it happen. Even the Western adaptation, live action film, <laughs> has it happen. That's a big deal. I mean, it's. It's such mm. a, it's such a you know major moment. This is the show off of his power. This is like the first Kamehameha. If I keep referring things to yeah. Dragon Ball Z. Well, I mean, Dragon Ball was the same era as well. Exactly. So, yeah, I think you have to have this in every piece because this is the moment which shows you what this guy can do. It does. Mm. Also, uh, Jaggy, the second major villain and older brother of Ken. So he's between the guy with the head that's caged, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's kind of got his head like wrapped in stuff, and he's got a mask on. He has a look which kind of feels like it inspired Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtles. Yeah, it seems like uh, what what I what I suggested when I watched it was has someone began a Horuto sh- uh, Shinken attack on him ah. and not completed it. Yeah, that, so that's what happens. So he ah. get um, Hokuto Shinken. Yeah. Pardon me. So Ken attacks him in pre- previously in the story during a flashback. Um, and he then pushes his pressure points back in to stop his head exploding. But he needs to keep it wrapped and bound yeah, in the wire. Yeah, because it's pulsating. And, as I said, Far not for children. Not <laughs> enjoyable. Seriously, I have never seen so many head explosions <laughs> no, in a single sitting as in this film. Top yeah. that, wow. Michael Bay. <laughs> don't no, challenge Michael don't. Bay. Please <laughs> don't. I mean, watching watching that one scene from Ong Back 2 where it's continuous arm oh. cracking for like two minutes oh. was enough. Yeah, that's honest. pretty bad. Um, Ken's powering up. Like the, on the note of other things, this is inspired. Ken's powering up, so standing w- still while taking damage. The fighting animations, throwing people through landscapes in particular, mm. that is very clearly visible as a re- um, an inspiration for Dragon Ball. Absolutely, m- more Z than the original Dragon Ball because oh. you can mm. see, like you know, when in that first arc in Dragon Ball with the um, Saiyans, where um, Vegeta or um, Goku get thrown literally through a towering rock. Yeah, it's the same style. So Kenshiro has a number of people to, to defeat to put the world back on sort of track, doesn't he? Yeah, essentially. So he's got Jagi, who's got the caged head. He's got Raul. Yep. Who's who killed the sensei, and he's got Shin. Shin, who took Yuria. Mm-hmm. So, of course, in the uh, series, it's that every other like gang in the wasteland is coming after him as well, because you know he's this big, powerful, strong individual. He must be taken down. Yeah. Um, it also like the last fight, and we're not going to give you the whole plot because mm. we want you to watch it. Otherwise, that would get. You know, it a bit. Yes. It, it would ruin it a bit. But the last fight and the ending of the film are a bit odd. So the ending is very yeah. strange. So we got the side character Lin, who is the one um, Coco mentioned, who kind of called, who called out, out to Ken yeah. after he'd been killed, appearing during the end of the fight, and uh, she appears to have some importance. This is better explained in the anime than it is in the film. The film just kind of wanted to get to that big confrontation. Yeah. It also ends with Ken finding a natural oasis at the end of a desert. He was wandering. We believe he found Switzerland because they stayed completely neutral in the final war of the world. But actually it all appears to be in his head. And I think it's more meant to be like a reflective thing, him thinking about how the world could change for the better if they made it the right way and fixed yeah. it. Um, but look, 
I can highly recommend watching it if you can get hold of it. Um, we had to find a old DVD. There are a few streaming services that have it. I'm pretty sure mm. um, most of Funimation's distribution um, hierarchy have copies of it on their stores. Can I don't know if they've got them streaming. Can though. recommend eBay mm, and yeah. Gumtree, which is where we found ours, which was interesting. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Good old Gumtree. But that brings us to something awful. <laughs> something that we must discuss... Because it happened. It happened in 1995. <laughs> it is, of course, the live action Fist of the North Star Western. It it was a straight to home video show, and it shows. And hardly any critics looked at it. Those that it did shows. commented on what a bad adaptation it was compared to the animated film of '86. <laughs> and it has Malcolm McDowell in it. There's also three minutes people. of credits on black before anything is even yeah. talked about. There's no voiceover, no nothing. It's just yep. this massive over-the-top score for three minutes. Probably to impart upon us, the audience, as to how serious a film we're about to watch. <laughs> now, this was uh, 1993 or five. 5? This was 1995. And this movie was made for around oh six million dollars. Yeah, now sounds so, like a lot. Really, now, isn't. so let's put this on the no. the contract on note of budget. It had six point five million US budget. This is the same year, exact same year as Mortal Kombat. Mm. That cost twenty million <laughs> for a lower budget. So a lot of that was straight to VHS salary. film. This isn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, it's but. actually pretty good for what it was, but that still doesn't make it great. <laughs> so Malcolm Adele, mate, what are you doing here? Well, I mean, he did Cad Caligula. He did, but Oof. now Malcolm don't McDowell, don't watch it, guys. Don't, mate, don't. Um, all, all I have to say is um, his character is the um, head of the order, and he dies in the first two minutes. But then he continues to write the rest of the film and appear as Zombie McDowell. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. I'm pretty sure that he just filmed those couple of scenes and spoke those lines on a soundstage, and then They're just left. took his paycheck and paid off a parking mm. ticket. Can Can I say, did they leave? The soundstage. I don't think point? they ever did. I don't. I didn't I see any. Everything location. looks in studio. It's a very small set as well. It is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they. They also. Um, so look, th this is the set for the outside areas of the town. They're very clearly two D walls, like cardboard, <laughs> yeah. and you can actually see in a couple of the high angle shots where the cardboard ends. <laughs> so who, who directed this? The age and of the who, world. Um, who wrote, who directed who wrote who's who's oh, who brought it? this was, film into it was, fruition? Um, oh, I've got it written here somewhere. There's just so many notes. Um, There's what, a lots of notes to make on a film like this. Right. Let, 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 let's start from the actors. Um, so Gary Daniels is playing the lead. He is um, not a very good actor. Um, he's a good martial artist. He's a great he martial artist. He's, he's when 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 there's the fight scenes, mm -hmm. you see him really do well, but when he's delivering lines... They just seem a bit flat. flat. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if he's actually a good actor. Um, and we'll have to see him I, in I, other stuff. Well, he, he's actually in the City Hunter live action as one of the film uh, villains. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, but he, he reminds me of Zoolander. He yes, he's got except, the pursed lips. Except that he was that was bad on purpose, <laughs> and this isn't. And he also keeps changing his accent for no oh, definable yeah, because reason. Because this guy is a Brit, and and his accent keeps slipping. Here's through. the thing: yeah. the other actors are not bad, but often Dante the, Busco is in it yeah, from the, Hook. The pointless monologue feels yes. so forced and out of place. Mm. Like, mm. and we'll, we'll get to Dante because. 
poor Dante. Um, but, you know, th- this is one where it's been hampered by the poor writing and directing. On the note of that, Tony Randall is the director. He also was partially the writer as well, oh. I believe. He's been in charge of some interesting things. He was uh, really? he did one of the Hellraiser movies. Yep. Which one? And, it's um, like the third or fourth wasn't one. Wasn't the yeah. first one, was it? Oh, no, no, no. 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 And he also did uh, one of my... Uh, favourite classic bad kind of action films, Escape from New York. Oh, Hang on. What's that one about? Uh, that one is... Uh, it has been so long since I've watched that. I can I hardly remember. Like that one is a guy I'm... named Snake who's like the manliest man with an eye patch. Okay, and I've... he has to rescue the president from New York, which I, has become I, a prison. I have not and seen it that. It blends into every other sort of 90s rescue the president film. Anyway, let's get back on topic. So, yeah. surprise the actors aren't too bad. Um... Though yeah, they, a lot of them carry the film. They they really do. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, they also kind of, as we'd expect of uh, anime adaptation of this era, they kind of just take a lot of liberties. So Jaggy and Rao are merged into a single character called Jackal, who is actually of no relevant importance. Yeah, he's not like the brother, and he ha- doesn't have the whole like ambition arc that he does yeah. in the I manga. F- I feel- Shin is still Shin. Except he appears in appalling flashback and becoming the film's big villain instead of Raud. I feel like if I hadn't have watched the anime film first, I would have been completely lost with this. Oh yeah, oh. completely. It's it's pretty messy lost. the way they explain it as well. And there's a lot of like, I'm going to stand here and explain this thing to you because this is the '80s. Um, but oh, and Julia's character, um, who yeah, Yuria, Yuria is, now, is Julia. now Julia. She's hardly explored other than being the cliche princess to rescue. Yeah, she's Whereas the she, damsel in distress. She and does, that's she, it. She she's does the best that. she can with it. Um, she does, <laughs> and she is also the only female character of note. No, that's not true. Hmm? No. Downtown Julie Brown. Oh, sorry. No, I apologise. <laughs> I completely forgot about Downtown Julie Brown. How could Julie you Bay. forget Downtown sorry. Julie so, Brown? W- if you haven't heard of this lady before, she was involved with like VH1 or MTV or something like that in the yeah. 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, that's her uh, actual name? Yeah, well, no, no, that's, no, that's her... Sure it's um, her stage name. It's her stage name. S- same sort of thing as like uh, how David Tennant's real name is actually something different. They had to pick a name to... But that oh, would yeah. be... Hell of a stage name. Hell of a stage name. I love yeah. it. It just works. So, um... Look, they, they do add... So there's not much diversity in the, yeah. in the cast. Um, there's a little bit, but not too much. But so I mean, let, let, let's talk about Dante Basco. Yeah. <laughs> because poor Dante. <laughs> you did well. So if you're listening, you did well. Good the, the, job. This is the amazing man who voiced Zuko in Avatar. Uh, um, and he's in this film as Boy Wonder Bat. Now, Bat is the one who has teamed up with Lin. Uh, Lin in the anime series. So it's just sort of the male companion. But his character is so much more fleshed out in this version where he's mm. like teaching people to fight and recruiting people. But he's also immensely annoying towards the main character. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, he, he put d- me in the mind of Short Round from uh, Indiana Jones yeah. 2. Just mm. always shouting. And, uh. and Rob Schneider from the Judge Dredd Dread film <laughs> with, yes. Stal- with Stallone. Yes, that is that exactly was, the character yeah. type. Yeah, that he is, was, that it is was it. just like the, the, the sort of like annoying offset to the mm. main character. But it's like... I'm just happy that this didn't kill Dante's career. No, because yeah. he was so good as Zuko. Mm. Mm. So, so good. So, we, we did mention the set, but story-wise, they added an interesting element. So, we've mentioned that everyone's fighting over food and water previously. Yeah. Um, they added the idea of acid rain, 
which at the oh, time yeah. was starting to become a well-known issue for areas with high pollution. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, you know, the fact that the world is actually a danger, that you have to avoid it when it's raining, that you've got to cover your water to make sure everything is safe was kind of a nice addition. Yeah. Mm, I like Except that. that the rain they used looks very, very fake. <laughs> That's definitely a shower head they've put above the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, we, we were trying to figure out where most of the budget had gone. Um, as we went along. And I think, oh. like, obviously, um, I was saying, yeah, we're, we're going to say McDowell probably took a decent chunk of it. Um, I, I reckon McDowell took half the half mil. <laughs> of that, that 6.5, he for took 0.5. For that one single day, he was probably on scenes. set. I want to find out. Uh, I wish you could find if out. If you're listening, Malcolm McDowell, could please you tell please us. tell us we are big how fans much of you, you earned on Absolutely. that money? Because it's our business and we want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, let, let, let's go through the last couple of points, then we can get on a City Hunter. If we actually Loved you get an email work. from him, I'll be very happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, boy. firstly, fighting scenes, they do try to respect the original source material, including True. the You're Already Dead scene, but oh, that delivery. Have to say, so bad. Good job on Gary Daniels for that split he does. That yeah. was Van Damme esque. Look, Very the, nice. The fight choreography is actually really good. Mm -hmm. um, though there is this glorious scene where some bandits ride into town and one of them goes, Oh, look a zombie! And fires. No, not look a zombie. Oh, look a baby. Oh, look a baby! And fires his gun. You're like, What? Hey, <laughs> you remind um, me of Joe Pesci. Anyway. Yeah, that, actually, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a slightly heavier Joe Pesci. Yeah. yeah. So we need to talk finally about the prosthetics and the special effects. Oh, yes. I remember how now, earlier. Let, 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 let's just preface this. For the time, for the prosthetics and the makeup, it's not all that bad. Yeah. But what they used for the wounds on Ken's body, those so, seven injuries Coco was referencing, caused by the fingers of Shin, which were stabbed into his chest. Literally. It's pretty bad. Yeah, in, the, uh, in the manga, in the anime, it looks like, you know, big bullet wounds. These are like yeah. some serious scars he's got on him. Mm -hmm. The circular wounds on his torso were apparently made by using a sanitary device which prevents men getting women pregante. Can I just say, <laughs> like, the props department of films are very resourceful. They are. They, like, they are just, they, they will take something... And create something incredible from it, and there's just so much imagination used. There really is. I can just imagine the conversation there. You know what else is kind of that shape and size? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So these, um, can we say? No, we, we will say uh, the French word for preservative. Yes. Preservatives. That so they use these these things on his chest. They, they are circular carefully. plastic used for a certain. Thing and, and it, sold in packs, which you can unwrap them individually. You can make them into balloons. You can. And, um, they can be very useful carrying water if you're stranded in the yes, rainforest. Yes, they can. And, it, <laughs> and the, I think the, uh, was it the crew or just on set in general? Yes, they refer to him as... Gary. Um, yeah, that they they referred to him as prophylactic man, but the other more common term for it. <laughs> um, that being said, the special effects are very bad. Um, fortunately, they're hardly used. Yeah, mm. I think there's maybe two or three instances, and that's yeah. it. It's like and an orangey light. This whole film, you can find on YouTube. Yes, really. It, yeah. Um, let Let's just say that. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to keep it in stock. <laughs> Can I say as well, why didn't Gary power up and lose his shirt? 
because that would have required another half a million budget, and then they wouldn't have had Gat McDowell. That's so. true. They only had to, they they could only use the one costume. For yeah. Them. Well, yeah. actually, he never had a shirt. He only has his jacket, and he throws that off half the time. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, he does, doesn't so he? So it might well be the same thing. His shirt exploded and it never came back. There wasn't it's, the budget for a you know. Wardrobe. It's not because I want to look at his chest. <laughs> it's just because I feel like I want to see, I I want to see this stuff. Like yeah. I want to see the the crazy anime effects. So yeah, uh, the live action movie. If you're kind of like a masochist who likes old if, bad if movies like, like us. Oh yeah, if you like cheese. Get this out. This is cheddar. Um, <laughs> this you, is very, very strong cheddar. <laughs> if you want something that is an exploration back into the 80s, definitely go check out the Fist of the North Star animated movie. It mm. is fantastic. And I mean, if you if you do have, what, what would that be, about 20 hours worth to pump through a series? I'm sure you can probably track it down from one of the streaming services. Oh, yeah. But that does lead us to uh, the next story we have to talk about, which is City Hunter, another quintessential 80s soundtrack. <laughs> Radio. I think I watched that as a kid. Oh yeah, I remember that. Back catalogue. Yes, City Hunter. Yeah. Now, <laughs> this manga you mean ran... skirt chaser. Yes. Uh, this manga <laughs> ran from 1985 to 1991, also in Weekly Shonen Jump for 35 volumes. We only got volumes 1 to 5 in English due to the collapse of Raijin Comics in oh. 2004. Alas. They were a company who were basically uh, trying to do Shonen Jump, but in America. Unfortunately, they launched the exact same week as Shonen Jump US. <laughs> so, oh, no. Yeah, terrible. Oh timing for it. I'm so, I feel sorry when that yeah. happens. So, I feel sorry for them. Let, let, let's get through all the stats on this film because there's a lot to get through. Anime okay. adaptation started in 87, ran for 51 episodes. That then spawned a second and third season in 88 with 63 episodes and 89 with 13. There was then one in 95. There's been a recent one. Um, it had seven anime films. There's a live action film in 93 starring Jackie Chan. And in 2011, it received a 20 episode live action TV show in South Korea. Which is a drama. And why are we talking about this now? Well, there's a new film out yes. in France where it's known as Nicky Larson. Nicky Larson et le parfum de Cupisson. I've definitely said that wrong. Um, Nicky Larson and Cupid's Perfume. Yep. Yeah, I said it wrong. No, 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 <laughs> no. no. It's just the pronunciation. It's um, okay. It landed in French cinemas earlier this year, bringing the franchise back to the silver screen. Now, to uh, give some background on the story, this is a tale about Cyber Rio. He's a mercenary or a uh, sweeper, mm. a sort of a private detective gunfire hire who works the streets of Tokyo. He's a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy who will take any job if the price is right or if the person asking is a pretty lady. Mm. He's Especially. known fundamentally for two things, being an incredible shot with his three five seven Colt Magnum. Which was totally illegal in Japan at the time. Absolutely. Still is. And... Being a massive skirt chaser slash colossal pervert. Yeah. yeah. He's very, like, he, he is unapologetically. Th- th- this is literally the yeah. definition of a pervert in the 80s. Like, if you were to cast anyone to behave in a perverted manner mm. as a side character in an American film, this is the guy. You guys remember those little statues that you used to get at shops like, I remember Granny Maze. Oh, yeah. And it's wow. like you'd press a button and he'd open up his like coat for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost like on flashes. that level. Yeah. We are almost on that level with this guy. Yeah. Um, he is. He does have his cool moments, though. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. He'll go from this like goofy kind of uh, just pervy kind of guy who's hitting on all these like 
pretty women, and they'll sh- generally shut him down by like intense physical means, mm. like dropping a table on him or something, or a yeah. piano. But then he'll yeah. just immediately switch to. I'm the tough guy of your dreams. Yeah. I'm here to save your life and you can trust me. So and then he'll switch back. Yeah, exactly. yeah immediately after. <laughs> um, so look, uh, Saiba teamed up with uh, Hideyuki Makamura. They have a business called City Hunter and it's an underground jack-of-all-trades operation and they con- are contacted by writing that it is XYZ on a blackboard at Shinjuku Station. And let- let's talk about Saber a bit more because he's sort of a mix of early Lupin Mm-hmm. And a bit of Goku from Dragon Ball Z, yeah. the um, sort of happy-go-lucky behavior side of um, which Goku. can then snap and turn into like serious. Exactly. He mm. also likes to prank his enemies in a very similar fashion to Lupin and toy with his targets if he thinks he can get into their heads. And drives a tiny car. Yes. Yeah, there a is mini. a mini. There's a lot of little crossovers between him and Lupin. Almost makes mm-hmm. me wish there was a crossover. I wonder oh. if there is. We should look into that. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, He's also, as we said, an overzealous sex pest and a serial womanizer, completely driven by his desires, and because of this, he behaves like a hardcore idiot, ruining moments of seriousness with that behavior. But despite all this, he's quite skilled and switched on when it comes to crime, and his job as a, as a sweeper means that he actually does get a chance to clean up these people who kind of fall through the cracks in Tokyo. Exactly. I keep saying exactly. And But to quote the lady he's protecting in the first ever episode, I have the utmost confidence in you as a sweeper, but none whatsoever as a man. <laughs> and so, she's correct. She's 100% correct. Assumption, now, to speak assessment. for the setting, um, this is every 80s kind of mm. cop drama detective thing, like Magnum P.I., shows like that. The, the first episode has literally everything you'd want in an 80s film. Mm. Like, yeah. There is a murder investigation, a shootout, a car chase, a truly despicable villain. There is explosions, an epic showdown, and it even ends with a freeze frame and uh, a banging soundtrack. And the this, soundtrack is perfect. And that's what I found about 80s films and their mm. villains. Their villains are just, they're just doing it for fun. Like, mm. they're literally just, ha-ha! Bang! You're dead. Hey, that person just died. Let's just kill that person. Oh, hey, look, this a baby. is fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like literally, like y- y- like in Mad Max. Yeah. Those they're just driving around, just murdering people. Here, same thing. In um, Fist of the North Star, same thing. It's I mean, it's for power, it's, but it's, it's also it, they're yeah, I mean, enjoying the end, it. The end goal is power, but like, they're doing it because they enjoy and it. And that's yeah, what like, I noticed. I will control the world. But this is so much fun. I'm just going to cause so much pain. Yeah, like <laughs> these days, villains pretty much always have a motive. They're serious. But they these do. villains, they're just like, no, this is fun. Let's murder. Well, I mean, it makes me think of, um, what was it? Uh, Lethal Weapon 2. Diplomatic immunity. Like, you it's know, been revoked. <laughs> Whenever there's an opportunity for those witty one-liners in this show, they go for it as well. Um, but like... I've got to be honest, Rio is hardcore stupid. Yeah. Slow a bullet down so it won't go through a criminal and hit the crowd in the window behind him. He shoots it through his own hand. <laughs> he then walks off he all cool until yeah. he leaves the building. Yeah, he looks so hardcore. And, and then starts screaming in pain and about, why did I do that to look cool? And I think <laughs> we were just thinking, oh, he aimed for the shoulder so it would hit the shoulder blade. But no. Yeah. no. But no, he, he fired it through his hand. Yep. And yep. The, that's the interesting thing about him. Him, he very quickly jumps from ridiculous pervert to cool guy. Yeah. Like over cool, like ridiculous levels yeah. of this. It's, it's a very sort yeah. of Lupin era style mm. of behavior for a main sort of antagonist who's kind of lives in the gray. Now, later on in the show, uh, he gets a uh, second kind of an assistant, a yes. young girl 
who um is he's the been sister of his previous well no no it is the niece oh. yeah, yeah and he's he's told never to uh flirt with this girl or like try to make a pass on her well and that, she that... sort of takes advantage of that because whenever he's chasing other women he will she will sort of whip out her hammer Mm. Ah yes. Now th- this is um, we'll, we'll come to her in a moment because she plays quite a prominent part in a, a part something we're about to talk about. But firstly, for the series itself, I'm not going to lie. I love absolutely everything about this show. It's, it's actually great. The level of slapstick comedy, especially him getting the living daylights beating out beaten out of him by the women he's trying to seduce. <laughs> like it's like you got what you deserve, mate. Yeah. But. The vibe, the comedy, the action, the music, it's present in every episode and every episode is self-contained in an almost, well, sort of self-contained with a uh, light story connecting them. Yeah, it's, I love um, it. it's not like there is no big major plot arc or like a villain in the shadows organising everything over these episodes. No, no, everything's very much contained and it's sorted out in that half hour. And yes, some of those interactions will be considered very dated. <laughs> yes, um, but incredibly. But I don't feel like the show itself it, is it's, it's a sexist show. Yeah. He is. He is a sexist. And which that's is the, the point. joke. He's really over the top. We need to talk about the live action adaptation. Which one? The 1993 one, um, because the French one that's in cinemas at the moment isn't available yet internationally. Mm. Uh. So this is Jackie Chan, correct? Yes, it was created in Hong Kong in 1993, starred Jackie Chan in the lead role, was all uh, done in Cantonese and Mandarin dubs. Um, so it looks very strange if you're expecting you know, your standard Japanese backing track. Um, it landed in 93, and while by no means is it a masterpiece, oh. It's still a pretty good laugh. Uh, Jackie Chan himself raced it as one of his uh, least favourite movies. Doesn't he dress up in it? Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So if you're looking for a mix of 80s style action with anime fun and a lot of slacks of comedy, this has got it because they like to break the fourth wall in this. Yeah, I like how they do it too. Like Jackie on several occasions is talking directly to the viewer. Honestly, you wouldn't actually know it was based on a manga or anything. You mm-hmm. just think it was part of, uh, you know, Jackie Chan's like big collection of crazy Hong Kong kung fu films. Mm-hmm. Or one of the ones which claimed he was actually part of the cast and then they just filmed him while he was on set in I, secret. Yeah, there was a few of there, those. There's about five weird. of them where they put Jackie Chan as like, you know, the lead actor on it. He's literally in it for two minutes and he was showing choreography to someone. Were those it. Godfrey Ho productions? No, I don't think so. No. You got no. those like as like a massive like things from one of our mates, didn't you? Like this yeah. big collection of A big collection of weird, Jackie Chan's um, Mandarin and Cantonese films. Mm. Um, but look. So let's be honest, this is by no means a perfect adaptation of the source material and the script does fall flat on quite a few occasions, but there are plenty of standout moments that make you laugh out loud. Now, we we do need to address um, the current ratings for it. So it's currently on a 43% critical score on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's from seven critics. Um, Some of these critics are no longer in business, were never listed as an official rated critic, um... And ones that some which are have decided to vote multiple times, such as Film Freak Central, which voted at Rotten and Zero on twice, but their review on their website no longer publicly available, which means we have no idea why that was made. I wonder if and their Jackie notes annoyed. are just saying, "Oh, it's disgusting." Weird. So I wonder if Jackie annoyed them or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, they they also do have a bit of a reputation doing some very odd ratings, um, being a bit snobbish. So I I don't know why they would have chosen this film to review. Yeah, it's don't I mean, just. Trust but for argument's sake, they vote. Uh, they gave uh, Joker a one out of ten. 
So um, considering the cinematography and everything that's involved in that film, uh, it does make me wonder what their actual rating system is based on. Yeah, my uh, whole philosophy on that these days is to like read everything as far as like critics and stuff go but to believe nothing until you've seen it for yourself but probably the closest to a reputable name in the reviews is IGN movies who gave it three stars out of five um, though this line has me wondering exactly how they came to that so and this this is a direct quote supposedly an adaptation of the popular Japanese animation series it fails as an adaptation but succeeds as a fun Jackie Chan flip how can it supposedly fail as an adapt? How can it fail as an adaptation if you don't actually know what it's adapting? Yes, supposedly it's this. Someone told me, mm. and someone yeah. also told me that it failed to do so. Yeah. So look, I mean, n- no offense to him, but it just kind of seems like a. So perhaps they needed to do more research. Yeah, a little, that. a little it bit. Could I mean, been perhaps a- misworded. Admittedly, these reviews did come around two thousand and five, um, so internet research probably a little less um, well known there. But let, let's more look at the audience score because I think. That's definitely more accurate. 10,000 users, mm-hmm. 61%. Sounds pretty solid. That is actually pretty much what I gave it. I you, personally you, gave it like a 6 out of 10 yeah. myself. Now, as I said, it ain't a masterpiece. It's nowhere near a masterpiece. Oh, but it has masterpiece it moments a, in it. It is a good ride. Uh, there is a scene. This is basically what makes it kind of famous apart from its um, origins. Uh, Jackie is kicked into a game machine by... Um, what's the actor's name... From Fist of the North Star? Yes. Oh. Um, not McDonald. Not McDowell. Where Donald? Gary. Gary. Yes, Gary. Gary. Thank you, Coco. Is Gary in it? Yes. Gary is the villain. Gary and there's is a one scene of the where he's oh. working out, which has been well known across the internet. Yeah, where he's doing a full Van Damme split. But his, yeah, uh, Gary. So kicks, Gary Daniels kicks him into the. He kicks him into an arcade machine. And when uh, Jackie Chan rises from the machine, he is dressed as E Honda from Super Street Fighter. Now, um, so. A couple of things about this. Because Jackie had a contract with car manufacturer Mitsubishi at the time, <laughs> they changed the name of the character from Honda to Hyundai. Yeah, it's listed on the screen as Hyundai with an E. Yeah, to avoid any legal issues during that scene. Because he can't say the word Honda, because that might be misconstrued. Because it's construed as him potentially promoting Honda. Yep. And then uh, after that, he turns into uh, Dalsim and Guile, like with the full wig, the full hair and the full costume. The, to be honest, the costuming department outdid themselves on this film. And it ends with him dressed up in full drag as Chun-Li, using her entire <laughs> famous moveset. Fireballs um, and all. It is perfect. Now, Jackie Chan apparently dislocated his shoulder during production for this film, according oh, wow. to one of his books. Um, he also... Um, had to actually have a stunt double help him be- f- during reshoots Oof. because they were under such a tight time constraint and wanted to get it out in time for Chinese New Year. Oh. So because they were rushing to the end, it meant while he was resting and recuperating after one take, the other stunt double would step in and try it. Far and they just keep swapping. Damn. Just nuts. you got to wonder, out. though, is there any film like from that era that uh, Jackie Chan was not injured on? Ooh. Like, he will... what? It's sort of a. What, what was the one where he ended up getting injured, like underneath the truck? Oh, it was. Uh, it was like like was one that of his police. Story it might have been. I think it was like the third police story. It was like the yeah, biggest yeah. one. Like surprisingly, like the third film was the biggest or something like that. And he was out for like a year from Oof. that injury. 
gets all yeah. respect to actors who do their oh, own yeah. stunts. Oh Christ, yes. It's to to be honest, Jackie Chan was like one of my first introductions to Mandarin and. You know, to be honest, Asian cinema is a full stop. It's sort of a famous thing that at the end of uh, most of his movies, they show like the outtakes of his mm. stunts and stuff, and like just in how many ways you can get hurt from doing stunt work on a movie. And yeah, oh, that in itself is a horror film. I kind of want to go look up that compilation. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Now, um, this isn't a masterpiece. As we've said several times. <laughs> but it, it's fun, right? It's fun. It is not a very faithful adaptation in regards to taking a story from an existing City Hunter storyline. Or just a kind of a... It's, it's more taking a fun spin on it to see, you know, look, this is the character. What would happen if we put them in this situation? And kind of taking a nice stroll into nostalgia. Mm. And let's be honest, like, his characterization of Sabo is is bang on the money. Oh, yeah. He, he does it really good. And the characterization of um, his sidekick is also, Carrick, yeah. Yeah, is also bang on the money as well. Um, we will, uh, I think I'll try and track down the clip for the trailer the French for one? the French one and put that on our YouTube and mm. other socials. It looks amazing. Um, because it looks amazing and if you've seen anything from City Hunter before you'll see this and go, oh. <laughs> yep. They have the hammer. They do. It's the it's the the hammer of the hundred ton hammer. Hundred and tons. <laughs> yes. Which I originally thought said loot because clearly I've played too many video games. <laughs> <laughs> And if you do want to catch the uh, City Hunter anime, you might be a bit hard set to track it down if you haven't already got it. Um, I'd check out Secondhand and Amazon and eBay to get a hold of the copy because no one on the streaming platforms currently has it. Anyway, we'll be right back. Wi-Fi Radio. Yes, that is all the time we have for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Next episode, we're going outdoors. And for some of you, oh, that, might be, that might be mighty cold. But we're in Australia, and it's been 40 degrees C, 104 degrees Fahrenheit for our friends in the States. But surely it's not that hot. Let me, let me just... Oh, my eyes! They're burning. Ah. It's okay. It's okay. We've got aloe vera. Um, and if you've enjoyed listening, make sure you like and subscribe. Don't forget to check out our Instagram and Facebook pages for news and videos. You've been listening to Kawaii Radio. We'll be back in two weeks' time with more anime and more Kawaii fans. I mean, Kawaii Quest. My eyes are crispy. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, watch, watch some anime. anime. anime.